Hi guys and welcome to Deshaming. Deshaming is a podcast and movement dedicated to raising awareness about incest abuse, sexual abuse, and childhood family trauma. I'm your host Pamela Clark and I'm a licensed behavioral therapist. I currently live in San Antonio, Texas and I'm also a survivor of incest abuse. I'm happy to say, I'm, I'm elated to say that today I am thriving. So sit back, relax, and I hope that this podcast and movement prompts you to get involved and helps you on your path to de-shaming. Okay, we're back. Second Hello. part. This is all good <laughs> stuff. Brittany's back with us. Hello for there. Our second part. We are gonna talk about her road and how she got onto her journey of healing and mm-hmm. uh, letting go of the shame. So, when did you realize you needed to do that for yourself and get off that cycle that your family was in? I would have to say pretty recently, honestly. Nice. Love yeah. It. Yeah. I would say recently. And it, it's pretty funny because the truth is, uh, through my adult life, through my 20s, you know, you always feel like you know what's best for you at that moment. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, the truth is, you do the best you can do, but you maybe don't know the best. And when I was um, living my 20s and early 30s, um, I was all about trying to numb out uh, everything I was feeling. Right. You know, numb out the PTSD, numb out these these feelings that I have regarding what happened to me. And so I, I began, um, you know, drinking and it wasn't just to numb out with drinking. Drinking was like, oh, my God, I don't have anxiety. Oh, my God, I can make friends. I can speak to people. People think I'm funny. You know, I'm not worried about <laughs> what people think about. I'm not trying to, like, constantly suck in my stomach to look skinny. Like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, it was amazing, you know, being able to drink. It was amazing having that crutch. And it uh, just escalated from there, you know? Yeah. It escalated because I am an addict. I am an alcoholic. And so something I've more recently, of course, figured out about myself as well is that I'm always going to chase that bliss, and it's never going to be as good as it was the first time. Never will be. Never. Right. And I, I, I can say that as someone who's been doing that for years uh, with different substances. And it doesn't even have to be substances. It can be just content, whatever, whatever it is as an addict that you are trying so hard to distract yourself from your feelings and your responsibilities and just life or how you're feeling because for me it was definitely depression i have severe depression so it is hard for me to feel joy and so when i drank i felt joy (laughs) when i drank it was amazing everything was great and so so I, i lived uh i lived my 20s and early 30s just doing that you know, not really having much of a goal. You know, I I got married when I was fairly young. I was, uh, I was 19. Uh, he was 18. So we were, we were together all in all 14 years. Um, not married, married 10 uh, together, 14. (laughs) 
and I don't have anything bad to say about my ex, to be honest. He's an amazing person. He's a great father and he's very, very supportive. I have not a bad thing to say about him. We just, um, I think what, what happened between us to make a a long story short, a 14 year story short is, um, we were in love in the beginning. Everything was great and new. And we basically, we, we settled, you know, and we became, how do I say it? We were in just the cycle of our relationship, you know, and it, it got to the point where we were just roommates, basically, you know, yeah. and that's really what it comes down to is we just, we got to the point where we fell out of love and decided that, um, that we wanted to experience life with other people. And so we did uh, split. We both decided to split, but I will say that he uh, he brought it up. He wanted the divorce. And I won't say it's all flowers. It was very, very, very hard for me because um, he, oh, sure. he kind of started a relationship with his coworker before you know, thanks for official. So there's that, but you know, I've made a mistake. I've made mistakes. It's for the best. I mean, honestly, it's for the best because I get to start life over in a way and for myself, completely for myself and for my daughter and figure out who I am and what I want to do. That's so awesome. Without, yeah. Cause that's all I've ever known was him, you know? Right. So now I'm, it's me. So, so now it's me. It's all me. And it's God, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's what I need. I need things to be hard so I can grow and become a confident person that I want to be and be able to just withstand this world because it can be so hard, but, um, it really can, it really can, yes, it right can now. be so hard. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> all right. So I have been sober from alcohol and everything else, except for weed. I'll admit I, I do smoke it. <laughs> It's really the only thing that uh, makes me a little bit happy these days. But um, but I, I yeah, I've been sober for three years, and I oh, goodness, I was I was a terrible person. Yeah, I was a very very um, I, I turned into a monster when I drank. You know, I was driving drunk. I was mm-hmm. drinking at work. Care. Yeah. It's not, oh my God, that's the thing. It wasn't that I didn't care. I was, I was stuck. It was miserable. I I was so stuck. It's, it's even hard to explain to this day. I mean, I can, I can say it, but it's hard to, I I suppose, understand why it keeps happening. That's the hard thing. So I, I was absolutely miserable. You know, I, I could probably stop drinking near the end. It escalated pretty fast. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't like this for years. You know, I was, um, uh, throughout my twenties, you could be like, okay, she likes to party a bit hard. <laughs> right. And then it just, it was like a very slow, very slowly getting worse, getting worse that I would turn into, I would start blacking out or oh, I would wow. start. Yeah. Uh, I was a blackout drunk. It got to the end where I blacked out almost every night from drinking. And, and it was horrible and it's miserable. And I honestly don't wish it upon my worst enemies. Right. Right. Yeah. Not even my brother. Right. (laughs) Who I I do believe has a a substance issue, but, um, 
But no, I wanted desperately to stop and I couldn't. And that's also where I became very suicidal as well because it got to the point where I'm like, my family will be better off without me. I'm driving around drunk with my daughter in the car. I'm, a, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand it. It's a, it will eat you alive. Yeah. It was, yeah. I. How did you get to the point where you were ready to say, I mean, I don't really, I don't want to die. I oh, goodness. Change. Okay. This actually goes into what we were talking about. This is actually kind of a perfect setup. So, Word. so this would be the end of 2011 in October because November 1st is my sober day. So I Yay. think this was right before, it was right before Halloween. So during this time, me, my husband and my daughter, who was I think two or three at the time. Yeah. Uh, we were residing with my parents. Um, we moved out of our house for just reasons that really aren't important, but we were staying with them for a time being. And so I was actively drinking. Uh, there were times I, all through 2017, I went to detox uh, three times and I, um, I tried to, I went to AA meetings and did all, all the spiel. I did all of it. Um, I have never gone to anywhere before. So 2017 was just a really hard time for me for some reason. Oh, yeah. Don't know why, honestly. Don't know why. I don't know why. Um, you know, I didn't have postpartum depression or anything like that. So it's like I couldn't figure out why my daughter was like two or three years old. Why am I doing this? But um, so I just remember being drunk and I'm cooking dinner. My whole family's there. My husband, my mom, my father, my daughter. Um, and... You know, I'm just, they know that I'm drinking. They know, you know, they know. And I was, I just had food on the stove and they were doing something else in the house. And I just remember going into the bathroom and I found there were these shears sitting on the counter. And, you know, I, I used to be a cutter when I was younger. That's sort of, I suppose, in my mind, my go-to. Right. You want to call it that. And I just grabbed the scissors and I just start slicing it down my wrist. Mm -hmm. And I do it, I do it fast to where my skin is sort of wrinkled and it doesn't cut all the way through. So it just sort of makes skin marks. And I have no idea why I did it. Like I can't, I can't tell you what my mindset was there. I just remember doing it because I almost felt happy about it. Right. Like I was giddy. That release was coming. Yes. Yeah. I was giddy. Um, and I, I, um, I cut about three or four times and before I really, it just happened so fast. You know, I just. My, I was cooking dinner. My family is right there. What am I doing? And uh, my my ex, uh, my husband at the time, he just walked into the restroom and he just sees that I'm bleeding. And I, I don't know what I say. Like I cut myself or something. And so he's holding my arm, I think. I don't really remember. It's really fuzzy because I'm almost blacking out at that, at that point in time. And the thing that really sticks with me is the fact that my daughter was there. And when they were, my parents and him were taking me through the hallway to take me to the hospital, she was right there. And I just remember my mom picking her up and taking her into the other room. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'll pause for no. a minute. Hey, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. This is stuff, tough, tough stuff to talk about, Brittany. Mm -hmm. This is really brave of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, I need a second. No worries. I get to the hospital. I'm okay. 
uh, they 1013 me, which means um, uh, I think uh, suicidal intent. So they have to keep me overnight. And there's a police officer there. They have to uh, they have to post guard because I'm screaming and yelling. And apparently, <clears throat> we laugh about this now because it's such a white privilege move. Apparently, I tried to take the gun from the cop. Right. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Ooh, that's amazing. Oh, you would not believe the stuff I've I got away with. It's I've never been arrested. I've never had any consequences except for my own making. It's it's insane. I've been pulled over while I had a beer in the center console and I moved it to the back. And I'm just like <laughs> That is amazing. I, I've been banned from Walmart. <laughs> I tried to pepper spray employees. It is just insane. I kept slipping through the cracks. I even had the police come to Walmart. That was one of my bad episodes where I blacked out for about four hours. And they were playing, they were playing, um, the employees were playing, uh, let's find the drunk alcoholic woman who's somewhere in Walmart right now. They oh had to announce they were And the only reason I know about this is because the manager at Walmart was talking to my husband on the phone. Mm. It's so bad. I, I blacked out. I don't remember. I was harassing people. It's just, it was so, I become a monster. It's like yeah. not who I am, you right. know? So I'll get back to the hospital. Um, all right. So uh, I calmed down. <laughs> Finally, they give me medicine. I calmed down. And that was honestly the, la that's the last time I ever drank. That's so amazing. That was the last time I ever drank. And it's. So it's, it's kind been, of a blessing. Yes. And you know what the truth is? It was so hard to be able to quit for other people. I couldn't quit for my daughter. I couldn't quit for my husband, not my family. I couldn't even really quit for myself. But what really made me quit is I'm so scared of who I am when I drink. I'm scared that I'm going to kill somebody. Good for you. I'm scared I'm going to drive drunk with my daughter in the car and I'm going to kill her. You know, it's yeah. just. <clears throat> so that was really um, the setting point. And of course, God, how suicidal it made me and having my daughter almost witness. You know, I, do, I don't think she, she's never mentioned it. I think right. she was yeah. three. You know, it's right. just. But it's so close. You know, it's always just so close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you went through three rehabs that year? Um, so I went to one rehab, but I went to three detox centers. Okay. okay. So, so I would, I would go to a detox center for a week just to get, um, the, uh, the alcohol out of my system and, you know, talk to a therapist. Cause I was dual diagnosis of alcoholism and severe depression and anxiety. So I was a, a little more of a risk to myself. And, um, so you know, I'd go to detox and I would be able to not drink. I think the longest I did was about a month. And I'd go to AA meetings. I'd have a sponsor. And I have absolutely nothing against AA. If it works for you, it's amazing. And it's worked for a lot of people. Right. But it's it's what I needed in the beginning. But um, at this point in my life, I haven't been to a meeting in a long time. And I have I, I feel very comfortable and secure with myself. And Good. I think if people need meetings, definitely do it. But I, I did spend 
through November 2017 to I think July 2018, I did stay in a rehab center. It wasn't an institution. It was um, it was actually a place called Mariposa, um, sort of like this apartment building setup where you would go there and check in and go to meetings, and they kept track of you. But you, oh, you that's still awesome. yeah, but um, you 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 could still leave, but you'd have to get permission and stuff like that. You know, they they would just keep you accountable, and that's what it's about. That's keeping amazing. You accountable. Oh, I love yes. that. So that was your first step. Yes. On the healing process. So when you came home, did you did you deal with the abuse, the emotional part of it while you were in treatment? Or did you start addressing that after? I would say I addressed that after. Okay. Yeah, more so after because at that time it was really just me trying to stay sober, yeah, trying to just get on a, a better antidepressant. Cause I've, I've gone through so many antidepressants throughout the years, trying to find the right combination, which yeah. right now I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm on, I tried Zoloft. I'm on Zoloft for the first time and I'm enjoying it. Um, but for the healing process, you know, I always try to have a therapist, uh, Good. And, and, you know, that that's, it's something that I noticed that helps me as long as I have responsibility in my own healing and I communicate with my therapist. Yeah, pretty much. I've had many therapists throughout the years. And I, on the very first day, I'm always like, hi, so this is me. This is what I've been through. So my brother molested me when I was little. This is all the things my therapist thought I have. And I've been on these meds and I just like get it out the way, you know, yeah. let's, let's just start transparency yes. yeah yeah totally i get it yes and i would say um everything else talking about it has the most healing effect for me because it's truly it's almost as though even though i am very open about it and i don't i don't say constantly have um a process that i'm doing um like yoga every day but um <laughs> When I talk about it, uh, when it, how do I explain this? It's like, there's always this tension inside of me, you know, and I, I may not realize that I'm holding it, that I'm holding this abuse. And when I do speak about it with someone, uh, it, it really is just like my muscles, my chest can just loosen up. And I know that I'm doing the best thing for myself and for that person in talking about this. And I get the most healing from talking about it. Well, that's and, amazing. and especially when that other person will bring something up that happened to them for the first time. And they're like, and just being able to help someone else is just, that's really where the healing comes from hearing other people's stories and knowing that by sharing your story, you've hopefully helped them open up to this journey of healing on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. <laughs> and thinking about another thing when it comes to um, PTSD, because I still suffer from PTSD. You know, I know I in no way want to, uh, you know, I was about to say stand here. I'm sitting. I know I want to sit here and say that I'm completely healed from my incest abuse. I'm not, but I I'm in a much better place. It's yeah. something that is probably it's go it's always going to be with me because it's so ingrained in my mind and I I suffered for so long in silence and it's it's a part of it's a part of me. Um but it's not something that has to have power over me. So when I do have my 
um, I guess you could say triggers my PTSD yeah. episodes when I, I just, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It could be just a slight memory. And then I can, I, I can feel my brother touching me on my body still. And it's just, I have those sensations. Unfortunately, you can feel those sensations on your body. And it's just in those moments, you know, I have that overwhelming shame and just disgust with myself, but I just, I don't try to completely dismiss it. That's what I did before. I would dismiss it. I would just dismiss it without thinking about it, but it always would come back. It would come back. You have to process it. And I'm, I'm not saying in any way, just sit there and just, oh, I'm just going to remember everything right now in great detail. You know, don't do that to yourself. I think you right. should let it come as it does. Don't focus on it. Don't sit there in it and be like, oh, I'm going to feel real bad about myself right now. Right. Just let it happen. Say, this is what happened to me. And I'm all the stronger for it. Honestly, I'm all the stronger for it. Feel it and just let it go. If yeah. it's out of your mind by then, just let it go and be like, okay, this happened to me. It's okay. I had no yeah. control over it. This happens, unfortunately, to a lot of people and we can deal. It's going to be okay. Yes. And I, I think I like what you said, deal with it and feel it and let it go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Don't Let's hold on to it and think, oh God, this happened to me. I remember it was so horrible. It was awful. I'm going to feel really bad about myself that this happened. I mean, by all means, it let your feelings come, but you don't have to just dwell in it. Yeah. You don't have to and what do you? What do you do in those moments? Like how do you physically, so let's say mm -hmm. you're having, you're triggered you're having a flashback and you're feeling those feelings. What do you do in that moment? Hmm. Is there any kind of breathing you do? Yes. You know, I actually really do do breathing. Um, I don't do anything extensive. Um, it's just, I inhale as deep as I can. I, I just hold it for 10 minutes and exhale as slowly as I can. I do it about three times. Love it. And depending on how my body feels, because I am hypersensitive and yeah. um, sometimes I just have to get up and sort of move around and I don't try to numb it out. You know, I yeah. don't try, again, I don't try to completely dismiss it from my mind. You know, it's it's there. I, I, I let it be there and I just, um, I, f I just do something else. I find myself doing something else. I just breathe. I relax and I say, okay, so I'm going to, this is happening to me right now. I'm just, my mind for whatever reason is thinking about these thoughts and they're going to happen. They're going to happen my whole life. And instead of letting it come down on me and I'm crying and I'm feeling disgusted with myself, I don't have to do that to myself. Okay. Yeah. I like I don't that. have to. So you, you know? feel it. And you acknowledge the feeling yes. and you yes. breathe into it and you acknowledge that it, mm -hmm. you're not there anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm like, it's not happening to me right now. Like yeah. That's something awesome. that happened a long time ago. This is something that I have no control over, but what I have control over is in this moment in my life and how it affects me and that I don't basically allow myself to sit there and drown in the feelings and yeah. the remembrance of everything. Cause I can yeah. sit there, I can sit there and start right having all the sensations in my body and feeling all the feelings. And then what that does is that dread that somehow, oh, it's not somehow it's not a mystery that will bring up things that I've forgotten. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's another big, big thing is don't, 
don't do that. You don't have to do that to yourself. There are things you forgot that you don't need to remember. I remember saying that to my therapist one time, Dr. Lopez, I interviewed him on here. And I remember saying to him one day, I was so tired of remembering things. I said, do I have to remember it all? And he said, nope. And that was like the best thing anybody (laughs) ever said. Because, you know, like you talked about, like that analytical part of the abuse you're constantly mm-hmm. analyzing and you you or and and this is how I am as a person yeah, yeah. I need all the pieces mm-hmm. and I want all the pieces so I can figure out how to to fix it and this isn't like this isn't like that this yeah. isn't it's I don't I need all the pieces anymore I am exactly I'm I'm that same way I overanalyze and I realize I mean this is really just like within the past weeks I've realized how how much harder that makes it for myself and and I just feel like the most important thing is is allow yourself to feel it but at the same time with all the self-help stuff that's out there you can literally drive yourself insane trying to do things right <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I have driven myself insane with all these self-help techniques. And the truth is you can't do them all and don't do it because you'll make yourself crazy. Yeah. You will stress yourself out even more just trying to do things the right way, but you're going to have your own process. That's what it comes down to. You will have your own process. Take away the little pieces and bits that work for you. Keep those. Those are yours. And just forget about all the other crap because it's not if it's if it's like not working for you and you know like honestly for me journaling i can't i literally i can't journal i've tried i've tried i've tried but i cannot sit there and just write or type my thoughts i just i can't do it so that that's like one thing that i can't do if that doesn't work for you just don't do it do something else right yeah isn't music a big part of your healing oh my god yes okay for you yeah so I, I guess that's another thing when I am feeling uh, down and I happen to be alone in my apartment, I love just blasting music and my headphones and singing and dancing just crazy. I mean, it just brings me so much happiness. Singing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> movement is good. I like, I like movement for me too. It's um, it's like a, it's a choice my body gets to make, mm-hmm. right? instead of choices for my body being made Mm -hmm. during my abuse, those choices were made for me. And I like the dancing part of it because I get to choose how my body moves and yeah, it's just totally relate to that. I know it's just so simple, but it's just, it's one of those things that just makes me feel great. And I'm, I'm doing my best to hold on to those things that make me feel good, especially in this, this time and age when everything's insane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. I think, I think, especially this time and eight, what's going on and we have a lot of hope now, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's difficult, especially for survivors. It triggers, or it has for me, the isolation and, and the um, having to be inside all the time has triggered yeah. a lot of that confinement and fear for me. Yes. Um, yeah. It's hard. That's hard. Oh my so God. Yeah. Music's been huge. So yeah. who's your, what's your favorite? What's your go-to? Like who's, <laughs> everybody has one. Oh my goodness. My go-to. Um, oh my God. I actually, it's so bad that I'm thinking about this, but only, okay. So again, I have ADHD, right? <laughs> so my music 
changes almost every week to every day. Like I, I, I have my little whatever what is this called youtube music i use youtube music and i'm just constantly going through there like a maniac deleting songs that are like oh that's a little bit annoying i don't like that one anymore i like that one four (laughs) days ago but i've listened to it 30 times and i'm over it and so i'm constantly changing things and that's just that's my personality i do do that that every i constantly need change That's a good thing though. I love it. I love that. And it's so weird to me because I feel like a lot of people say I don't like change, but I'm like, no, bring on change. I can't keep things the same. So music wise, um, I've, I've really gotten into a lot of R and B. I like this. Uh, I, I, am so used to listening to rock music. I call everyone a band. I don't know. I like this band. It's an R and B band (laughs) called division. I don't know who that is. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, they actually spell it D-V-S-N, D-V-S-N. Nice. I like another R&B artist named S-Z-A. Apparently, I like these, uh, all these letter letter artists. Right, yeah. <laughs> S-Z-A, okay, cool. S-Z-A, and um, yeah, really just a lot of R&B. Um, I mostly, honestly, I mostly listen to podcasts and audio Do you? Books. Yes, that, that's me. I love sci-fi and fantasy. So I, I'm living in a fantasy world all the time in my head. So that's if I can distract myself and, you know, just ride a dragon somewhere, it'd be amazing. Oh my God, would that be amazing? I yes. love those techniques. I love that. I like that you you use them, but you don't drown in them. That is so important. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is so I important. Love that. And, you know, that's just what I've learned from myself, you know, because, you know, as an alcoholic, I will, I will drown myself in anything. Reach gives me any kind of joy. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. love that. Okay. Is there any last thing on this brave podcast that you've done that you want to share? Let me think. That's a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure, wasn't it? (laughs) You know what? Something profound, Brittany. Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, just talking about this again, it's such a weight off my chest. It's like you, when you start talking about it, you know, like you feel the tightening and everything, but it's yeah. I talked about it. I spoke about it. I feel relieved. It's such a relief. And I love this. I hope more people talk about it, but I suppose if, you know, there was one thing I could say is as someone who was who hasn't been a good advocate for themselves when they were younger, you know, speak up for yourself if you can, if you're in a situation where you do see your abuser, you know, and I mean, you don't want to, if it's someone, of course, this is, you know, incest, if it's a family member, yeah, you can create those boundaries and it is okay too. don't yeah. feel ashamed. If you don't want to see that person, if you don't want to forgive them, you don't have to. You don't have to forgive them. I mean, I going back on that. Sorry. I feel like I'm taking forever. No, no, you're doing great. I used to be really hard on myself because I wouldn't forgive him because I'm like, if I forgive him, I'm a good person and I'll heal, you know? And the truth is I can forgive my parents for not knowing what they did and for handling things the way they did the best that they could because, you know, their parents didn't talk to them about them. You know, they, they were raised a different way. We've all been raised a certain way. But <clears throat> you just, I lost my train of thought again. I was no, going on what, you're, what you're saying is totally true. You don't have to forgive. You have to release because you don't deserve holding it. 
yeah yours to hold but you exactly. don't exactly give those people you don't have to give them a pass and i feel yeah. like that's mm -hmm. what forgiveness is about in our society yeah you don't have to owe them anything to be able to owe yourself anything right it's not your key to healing yeah yeah you, and you so can heal without it yeah yeah it, you're not a bad person if you don't want to forgive right. you're not a bad person if you feel ashamed still you're not a bad person if it's it's painful to live with if it's painful to see that person there's nothing wrong with you right. you just um you know if you have to talk to your family about you know that was hard for me you know i i my family again we didn't talk about things until i blew up at them one day <laughs> right yeah yeah and, and I, I a common thread too with yeah you. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sorry, I'll add real quick. I forgot in my story um, when I was talking about alcoholism and when I, that night I was cooking and I cut my wrist. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I forgot to mention, it was the night before that I was drunk and I brought up to my parents about my brother. Oh. We started this screaming match because I was, um, I was intoxicated and I was trying to leave the house. That's what I do. And my mom was like, no, you're not leaving. And so me being angry, I brought up an old wound out of nowhere saying, why didn't you protect me from my brother? Good for you. <laughs> and honestly, even though it started with yelling and screaming and defensiveness, it ended with a lot more information and them knowing how I was feeling. Oh, that's so good. Because I, I can't say that I'm not saying, please don't get drunk and right. tell, your, tell anyone, yeah. but I don't think I could have done it sober. Things things happen the way they did for a reason for me. Right. Um, and everyone's path is different. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mine yeah. was a crash course and it happened because it had to, and I had to grow from it immediately. So. Right. Yeah. That's amazing though. That's yeah. amazing. It was purpose to happen for you to yes. help you stop drinking. That's amazing. That's huge. Thank you so much. All right. You lovely woman. Thank you for being <laughs> on this. I'm so grateful to you. I really appreciate your braveness. I do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pamela, for creating this platform for people like me. Can We can share our stories. It's so yes. important. And thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I appreciate that. And I want you guys to take from this podcast what you need, leave what you don't need. Um, and I truly, truly, truly hope that Brittany being so brave and sharing this helps you on your path to de-shaming. It was not your fault and their shame does not belong to you. I'll see you again in a couple of weeks, everybody. Take care. <laughs>